from Matthew 5. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for preaching these words so many years ago. I pray they would hit us now with sufficient weight and fitting awe. Allow us to see in them our identity and do not allow us to attach inappropriate action to our response. Use these words to encourage us in what you are doing and how you are doing it. May the glory of the Trinity be all the more evident in our midst. Amen. You can take a seat. Well, good morning, New Life Church. I'm happy to be here. It is good to see you. My name is Eric. I'm one of the pastors here. If you would, grab your Bibles or your app, turn them to Matthew 5, verses 13 through 16. Uh, Put your Bible or your app on your lap and lock into these words. They're good words. They're Jesus' words. This is Jesus' sermon. Did you know this is a gathering of beacons? Not unlike lighthouses, you all are. Creating a point of light in the darkness, in the midst of the difficult sea, each of you are a calling beam of light that says, This way to shore, this way to where you belong. I see many lighthouses. And this morning we are gathered, glorious, a gathering of the light to better proclaim, this is the way home, won't you come? These echo the words of Jesus in this part of the Sermon on a Mount. He's proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God and the nature of the kingdom people. The distinctiveness of kingdom people, it will be driven home today, I hope, that the distinctiveness of kingdom people is the salt and light that causes people to praise the Father. The distinctiveness of kingdom people is the salt and light that causes people to praise the Father. Now I want to remind us of where we have been. The past three weeks we've talked about the first 12 verses, some people call it the Beatitudes, of this sermon. This quintessential sermon of Jesus, this proclamation of the kingdom and the ways of the kingdom. Jesus sits down to preach, if you recall, and proclaims that the blessed ones are not who you would expect them to be. He says, congratulations to the ones who would not be congratulated in the rest of the world. He says, happy are the ones that are likely the opposite of the happy ones in the world. Jesus proclaims an upside down, or rather, a right side up, kingdom filled with kingdom people that share the heart of God that show the characteristics of Jesus last week we even talked about the rejoicing and gladness of the persecuted what yes these are the blessed ones the ones that belong to the coming kingdom of God and Jesus keeps on preaching he says you are the salt of the earth But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. 
He says, you are the salt of the earth. Second person plural, y'all are the salt of the earth. Distinct as salt. The blessed ones are the salt. The persecuted are the salt. The merciful and the pure in heart, you all are the salt of the earth. Let's note this is not a call to be salt. This is describing the nature of kingdom people. You are salt. By nature of who you are, you are salt. And maybe we pause for a bit. Salt, what kind of metaphor is salt? Does this mean I'm supposed to use salty language? Is that, is that what's going on? No. Is this the humble folk of the earth working on farms and small rural communities? No, that, that phrase came later. Salt is vitally important in human life. You experience it every day. It may not seem that way because I can just go down to the store and buy a little $1.39 thing of salt. It's not that big a deal. It's vitally important. It's a human necessity. Salt is in our very bodies to allow us to retain water. If I go running on a hot day, I need more water if I want to stay hydrated, right? I need more than water. I need salt. Salt also has an enhancing quality that is incredible. It allows food to be more of what it truly is. It puts the flavors of the food on full display that would be bland if no salt is present. Who cooks steak without salt? Good, I was going to call you out. We need it. It shows what the steak is. Salt preserves. You can pack meat with salt and age it for months without a refrigerator. Salt fights against a cave. Salt kills things. It's powerful. After a war, you could salt the fields, right, and render them useless for growing. That's how powerful salt is. Salt in Scripture also had a function in the covenant. Leviticus says, You shall season all your grain offerings with salt. You shall not let the salt of the covenant with your God be missing from your grain offering. With all your offerings, you shall offer salt. As though to say, where the covenant of God is, there is salt. If God is present with his people over a meal, there is salt. There is something distinct. Salt is evidence that God is here. God is working. God is moving. God is relating. God is connecting. Salt is distinct and helpful and important. I don't think Jesus is speaking to a specific characteristic of salt as much as he is pointing to the common knowledge of the necessity of salt. All these ideas are in play. All the ideas would come into the minds of the people as they hear the sermon. Salt, we're the salt. We are the salt of the earth. The whole thing. We have that type of distinction. Wow. A salty bunch you are today. But Jesus says, But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. But if salt has lost its taste, other translations may say, has lost its saltiness. The word behind these translations is literally made foolish. If salt is made foolish. Striking, yes? What if salt becomes foolish and no longer tastes like salt? If salt is no longer salty, if salt becomes what it is not. Now some of you may be thinking, and we know, well, the compound, sodium chloride, can't actually become less salty. Yeah, we know that. that. That's pointing to the absurdity of this question. 
Some other commentators reference that in ancient times, where did they get their salt? Probably the Dead Sea. And they're pulling material out of the Dead Sea, and it's very salty at the Dead Sea. But the material they were pulling out wasn't just salt. There was other stuff and salt. And then if you somehow messed it up and the, and the mixture got a bunch of water on it and you lost the salt, whatever you had left wasn't salt. And you'd be holding this, oh, I got some salt. There's no salt. There's no saltiness here. It's silly because the salt is gone. The point remains If salt becomes unsalted, foolish. If salt is foolish, how absurd is that? This is a strange predicament. If salt is being not what it is, how do we fix it? How do we fix unsalty salt? Can I I salt it? Can I put salt on the salt to make it salty? It's all broken. This salt is good for nothing. The only thing to do is throw it outside and trample it on the ground. And friends, this is, that's not a use for salt. I grew up in Michigan, and it snowed there, like, like really snowed there, actually snowed there. And every year they would spread out salt on the roads and the sidewalks. But that salt was doing something because it was still salty. It was breaking down ice and changing the freezing point so it would melt, and it was getting up in the underbelly of our cars and rusting them to pieces. Salt is powerful stuff. And it is having an effect on its environment just by being there and being salty. But if salt is no longer salty, throw it out. There's no benefit. Now you may hear this and the different characteristics of salt and think, I am lacking in salty actions. I need to get to being more salty. I need to go get to doing. This is not a call to action. This is a proclamation of who you are, a proclamation of being, a declaration of your station in the kingdom. And this is a warning lest you put on the identity of someone else or some other people other than kingdom people. This is on the heels of Jesus saying, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake, for Jesus' sake. That idea makes many of us pause. That is something antithetical in this world. That is something different. And Jesus says, this is the salt of the earth. The persecuted for my sake. He says, don't be something other than salt. Therein lies foolishness. Don't be something other than salt. Don't put on a different posture. Don't put on a different character or a different way of being. If you are foolish and decide to be something other than what you are, if you decide to be something other than the Beatitudes and you are like the rest of the world, what good are you? You wouldn't be salt anymore. The world needs distinction. The world needs the meek merciful, the poor in the spirit, the, these are the salt of the earth. And the earth needs salt. Salt is vitally important. The world sees the salt when someone is persecuted for Jesus' sake and it is striking. A perspective of the world would see persecution and think, oh, that guy or that gal, they have been trampled upon. That person is of little value now thrown out, but that's not true. Jesus says these people are the salt. To avoid persecution is to attempt to not be salt. And then you are only good for throwing it out. 
Augustine says it this way, Consequently, the one who is trodden underfoot by men is not the man who suffers persecution, but the man who becomes foolish by fearing persecution. No one can be trodden underfoot unless he is underneath. And a man is not underneath if his heart is fixed in heaven, even though he may be enduring many bodily evils on earth. You all are the salt. God does amazing things with the salt, even with persecution or difficulty. It is who you are that will do the work of salt in this world. Jesus continues in 14. He says, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. He says, You all, you all are the light of the world. You are as distinct as light. Kingdom people, you are the light of the world. By you, you and your presence, the world will see. If the importance of salt is obvious because it's everywhere, the importance of light is blindingly self-evident. Kingdom people, kingdom of God people, you are the light. The world will see because you are here. The world can see their brokenness and the world can see the way to remedy. The world can see their way home because you are in the world. Because God leaves his kingdom people in a place to point to that end. Isn't it striking that a single beam of light can break through the night sky? It doesn't matter how dark the dark is. That light cuts through it. I can't ignore the light. It's right there. It's obvious. There is clearly something over there creating light. I can turn my back on it. I can try to ignore it. But it's obvious. It's right there. You all are that light that pierces the darkness. Just by being kingdom people, you are the light of the world. That is distinct, friends. That is brilliant. That is thrilling. That God would include us as that kind of representation. Incredible. Jesus, the light of the world, comes into the world, sits on a mountain to proclaim the kingdom and the way it will be organized and says to those who belong to the kingdom, to my kingdom, they are the light of the world. They will show in the darkness. They will illuminate what was unseen. They will allow people to see what was obscured for them before. Wow. What a privilege. He says, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Have you ever been out to the high desert at night? Maybe somewhere out remote where the wash from the immediate cities don't affect the view of the stars, and you're just out there. You can see for miles and miles and miles. And if there is somewhere on the horizon a city on a hill, ah, there it is. There it is. You can't hide the city on a hill. There are too many lights, and each one pierces the darkness, and when they are together, they scream into the darkness. Over here, we are right here on this hill. Everybody see us? We're the city. That's such a beautiful picture. Friends, you are the city on a hill. An unavoidable light proclaiming your existence and thus pointing to the existence of the kingdom. Now, I fear 
Some of you, when you hear this metaphor, you hear Reagan's words ringing in your ears. So let me press into that. President Reagan used to use the metaphor of a shining city on a hill as a metaphor for America. And he notably was quoting John Winthrop. John Winthrop, a pilgrim in the 1600s who came over to be part of a colony in New England. And while they were on the boats that were making their way across the Atlantic, he gave a little sermon talking to presumably kingdom people, a band of kingdom people on this boat. And he said to these kingdom people that knew the words of Jesus from Matthew 5, he said, on our way there, we shall find that the God of Israel is among us. When ten of us shall be able to resist a thousand of our enemies, when he shall make us a praise and glory that men shall, shall say of succeeding plantations, may the Lord make it like that of New England. For we must consider that we shall be as a city upon a hill. The eyes of all people are upon us. He says we're going to be a city on a hill. He says New England will be a city on a hill. Hold up, John. Do you see the conflation there? The members of the kingdom are the city on a hill. Not the governmental structures they participate in. Not the multivaried nations they belong to. The people of the kingdom are that city on a hill that cannot be muted by darkness. And I take time for this because we as Americans have a special temptation to have our affections wooed to a different city. When we hear the language of Jesus used in another context, our hearts ring, rightfully so. This is, these are Jesus' words. And beware lest we attach our hope and attach our affection to some endeavor other than the kingdom of God. America can be a gift, but it is not the city on a hill Jesus spoke of when he talked about the light of the world. Pastor Scott and I have been publishing a podcast on this very tension for the past six months. There's a link on the Sunday Hub to it. If this is a tension that you feel characteristic of the Beatitudes, you are the light. That is your identity and station in the kingdom of our God. But our temptation is to cover the light. Our temptation is to make us more palatable to the world around us. The temptation is to take the methods and the structures and the means of the way the world operates and work like them. Don't hide the light. The church as an institution may be very influential. There may be lots of money. There may be lots of clicks or likes or downloads or views. There may be lots of institutions throughout the whole country that are Christian institutions. But if all that work is not out of the identity and posture of the Beatitudes, I don't know that we are shining the way Jesus wants us to shine. There may be a basket over the light. Being the light of the world is not just trumpeting and advocating as a moral influence. I have seen many attempts to get to the right end with actions and character and posture and influence that was antithetical to the Beatitudes. Engaging with non-kingdom ends or means is to hide your light and point to something other than the king. People don't need to be cajoled into behavior modification. They need a king. They need a king that can change their hearts. They need a king that will comfort the morning and be merciful. They need the light they can't see. Friends, you are the light. 
You belong to the king, and you are the salt and the light that point to his kingdom. I would rather see a persecuted church glad and joyful for righteousness' sake than a church that hid their light for the sake of winning in the short term the games of our current age. The king has already won. His is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen? And there are no caveats to that rule. God's rule is not democratic. It is not contingent on a coalition hiding their light just long enough so we can win the next election. Hiding their light by using the world's means, playing the world's game. The king is victorious. And he has placed each of you as beacons of that victory throughout the world that you may light up the world and show the way to his kingdom. That's good news, friends. That's good news. He is victorious. He says in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. People praise the Father drawn by your distinctiveness. He says in the same way, let your light shine before others. Here is the imperative, the command, let your light shine. Don't cover it up. Don't be like the lamp that is covered with a basket. Don't turn on the light and cover it with a blanket. Jesus, God turned on the light. Don't cover it with a blanket. Let your light shine before others. Be shining at work and at school and amongst your family and at the high school football game. With your neighbors and with your enemies, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. Where you dwell, there is distinctiveness that points to the kingdom. Where you reside is a little bit of light that proclaims loudly through your person, the kingdom is coming. The king is coming. And so the imperative, here it is. Don't cover it up. You are, your being, your identity is secure. Don't cover it up. Why? So that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. If you just be who you are, people will see things happen. People will notice that you are different. People will see goodness acted out of you. People will see your character and say, where does that character come from? Where does that mercy come from? Where does that hunger and thirst for righteousness come from? Why do you love your neighbors? And when they see you, they see the light that points them to the Father of lights. It is a beautiful thing that God the Father would draw glory to himself because people saw you. Amazing. Don't you want to be part of that? Don't cover it up. Now some of you are thinking, I better get to working. I better start doing a bunch of good actions. I need to exert myself. I need to do good things Exert my moral influence in this world so then I will become the light. Friends, that is not the thrust of this passage. All the imperatives of this passage are supporting the idea that you already are something. The command is not to do something. The command is don't cover it up. If you belong to the kingdom, you are already the salt. If you know the king, you are already the light. 
Don't cover that up. Don't lose your saltiness. Don't foolishly hide the characteristics of the Beatitudes. Don't try to be something you are not. The good works will naturally flow from your identity if you do not cover up the light. This is not a calling. This is not calling you to do good works so you become the light. Jesus made you the light. And friends, Jesus is proclaiming a message far better then do harder, work better, go faster, be good, look good. In fact, that's the message of the Pharisees. Listening to this very sermon with their broken theology, Jesus is proclaiming a message that is good news, especially when compared to the message of the Pharisees. Because their message was do everything correctly, and that is how you will please God. Pray at the right times, tithe at the right amount, ignore and hate the right people, scoff at the right bad things, make it obvious by your actions that you are superior, then you will be noticed. Jesus is not calling you to live religiously in front of people in order to look good. In fact, in just a little bit, in this very sermon, he's going to call out that practice. In Matthew 6, he says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Bearing witness to the kingdom is not some extraordinary thing. It's being who you are. Live in public, in a conspicuous way, an unhidden way. Live out in the open. Let your light shine. Be the same person all the time. I think, friends, if you just decide to not pretend this week, to be something you are not, you would see many opportunities just to shine. You would be salt in the places you interact. You would be light in the places in which you dwell. Because if you are like me, you have spent years of your life playing parts in every compartment of your life, right? Okay, it's Sunday. I I can be comfortable here. I know who I am. I know the story. Uh, But now it's Monday. I'm at work now. I better be work, Eric. I interact with construction guys. I better talk like construction guys. I better change who I am so I fit into their environment and I don't want to be too distinct. I don't want to be too obvious. I'm going to change who I am. When I'm engaging city stuff, maybe I smooth out the distinctives and I just say bland things instead. Not what I really think, not what I really am glad about, not where my joy is placed, not where my hope is. When I met my hobbies, let's just talk about hobby things. We're all here for hobbies. Even if I'm walking on the golf course and I catch the beauty of nature, because that's part of what golf is, right? Catching the beauty of nature. And for me, I can't help but think of the grand narrative story of me belonging to the Creator and the King of the universe and His plan to completely restore the broken world, even the broken nature and all its maladies, and redeem people to be back in solid relationship with their Creator. No, don't talk about that. Something simple. Nice putt, man. Nice putt. We are practicing covering our light all the time. The things that motivate us, the things that excite us, where our joy is. We try to cover up our saltiness all the time. And there are little opportunities to just shine. We avoid. Try it this week. Take the basket off the lamp. 
See what happens. See how God brings glory to himself. You walk into work on Monday and the first coworker you see asks, how are you? And rather than say, fine, you, which really means neither of us want to talk about this, so I'm just going to say this and you'll say your thing and then I'm going to leave. You say, I'm doing pretty well. It was encouraging to be with my church community yesterday. How are you? And they say, I'm, I'm doing okay. You say, just okay? Why, why is that? Well, my, my parents are sick or, or I'm not getting along with my kids. I'm really sorry to hear that. Oh, it's okay. It's fine. No, it's not okay. That's brokenness. The world shouldn't be like that. Can I, can I pray for you? I can pray by myself. Or I'll, I'll pray right now if you want. Light is shining, and it's only Monday morning. Let the light shine. Be who you are. I promise you, you will be amazed at what the Spirit will do in your life. Your light shining. I have seen people ask about the gospel because people did not hide the light. I have seen people praise the Father because little salty lights do not cover it up. It is the Father that makes us distinct. It is the Father that makes us kingdom people. Jesus is echoing the words of Isaiah to a people, to his people, to the people with which he makes a covenant. It has been long known that God would draw people to himself through the light in his people. In Isaiah 60, it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the people's. But the Lord will arise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you, and the nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Don't you want to be part of that? Don't you want to be a participant in the great beauty of God calling people to himself? Don't cover your light, friends. The king has come on the scene, and he has proclaimed the inauguration of a new kingdom. The distinct nature of that kingdom is evidenced on its citizens. The kingdom people, us congregated together here now, we taste of salt even when we are persecuted. When we are merciful and hunger for righteousness, we shine the light when we exude meekness and we mourn. We are the peacemaker that proclaims the kingdom by our very being. The pure in heart point the way. This is the salt of the earth and the light of the world that the world desperately needs. You are the salt of the earth and the light of the world that the earth so desperately needs. Our presence is an indicator of their only hope. We point the way home. Don't cover up your light. What does this have you thinking? Does this bit of Jesus' sermon cause you a bit of guilt or shame because you don't feel salty or you lack light? Run to Jesus. Those of you who know your sin and want righteousness, he proclaimed the good news of his kingdom. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. For those sad with the wasted years of obscuring your light or trying to cover up your salt, he says, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. For all those who see themselves as insignificant, thinking their light is too small or their influence too ignorable. 
And Jesus opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And for every one of you who sits in this room because you observed the good works of a Christian, you saw the character of a Christian, you saw the light and tasted the salt and are here sitting to see who is this Jesus guy. Here is Jesus, your King. Glorify Him. Worship the Father who sent Him. Ask the Spirit to change your heart and connect you to the kingdom and you will join us as salt and light today. Friends, you are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Don't attempt to hide it. Your lives shine with the blazing light, the way to the kingdom. Don't cover it up. Your distinctiveness brings people to praise the Father. Why would you try to be anything else? It's good news. This morning, we have an additional opportunity to be distinct as a kingdom people gathered. If you are a Christian, a kingdom person, someone connected to Jesus and his kingdom, then communion is for you. It is a chance for us to, together to participate in the remembering of what Jesus has done. His death and resurrection while we wait for his coming with fully realized kingdom. If you are not a Christian, I would invite you to become one today and join with us. But if you are not ready, then this is a good time to pray. Talk to Jesus. Ask him to have you longing for the kingdom and to connect you to it. If you have your individual elements, I will read and we will take them together. These are from 1 Corinthians. This is, these are the words of Paul. He says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, what a blessing that even now we have together shown as a gathered light for the kingdom. We gather and we shine all the brighter as various lights connected in community. Give a joy to my friends in the knowledge that they are salt and light. Disconnect performance from that understanding and let them bask in the goodness that they are included in the proclamation of the kingdom because you make it so. Give them an affection for all the characteristics of the kingdom and give them a heart that is asking you to grow that character in them. Lord, give them courage to take the basket off the light, even today, this week, tomorrow. Allow them to flex their muscles and give them strength to live as the light all day, every day. And fill our congregations with stories of people glorifying the Father because we did not hide. 
It is your glory we are after, and I ask that you would shine our faces with it as we experience the praise of your name from more and more lips. In Jesus' name, amen.